All right, we're going to be looking at Matthew 26, 30 through 35, and then 69 through 75. So we're going to, we're going to look at one passage, and then we're going to jump to another one here. It says this, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Now, I'm going to fast forward to verse 69. I'm fast forwarding um, to after Jesus had been arrested and the disciples had run away and abandoned him. I'm going to fast forward to verse 69. This is what happens after the arrest. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you two are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, um, this is an interesting story here that I think all of us can relate to in, in different ways, but particularly in this way. Here we have Peter, a disciple of Jesus, making these grand promises. Jesus, I will be faithful. I will not deny you. I've made a commitment to you, and I'm going to keep it. Jesus says to him, no, actually, before this night is over, you are going to deny me three times. And Peter promises. He's like, no, no way. I'm going to keep my commitment, and there's no way that I would do that. Even if I have to die with you, I will keep my commitment to you. That's what, you, that's what Peter is saying. But then, shortly afterward, on the very same night, just hours later, he denies Jesus. Not just once, not just twice, but three times. He makes that promise, and then he breaks it. He says he will keep his commitment, and then he ends up in failure. How many of you can relate to that this morning? 
When you've made a commitment to Jesus, maybe you've made a promise about something, only to not keep it later on, maybe even a short while later. And then you, you feel bad about that. You say to Jesus that you're sorry. Maybe you repent of it. But then only for you to make that commitment again and then to fail again. There's this um, cycle that we experience where we commit to God. I will follow you. I will put you first in my life. I will be faithful. I'm not going to sin. But then what happens is we end up failing. And then we go back and we make that commitment or that promise again after praying, say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I won't do that again. I'm a changed man. I'm a changed woman. Only to fail again. And this cycle repeats again and again and again, eventually leading us to a place of hopelessness and feeling like, God, am I ever really going to change? Am I ever really going to break through and, and actually be free of this sin in my life, of this constant cycle? of saying, Jesus, I'm going to do things differently, but then going through it again and again and again. I think we can all relate to this in different ways. Maybe as a Christian, you found yourself in situations where, um, uh, you know, there, there was a situation where it wasn't so easy for you to be a Christian, for you to confess your faith in Jesus, or for stand, to stand up for what you believe in. And in that moment where you have to make a decision, and am I going to be committed to Jesus? You instead hide your faith. You remain quiet. Maybe you kind of laugh along with everybody else, and then you feel terrible about that. Jesus, I've denied you. I feel terrible about that. You repent of that. You say, I want to change. I want to be different. I want to represent you, Jesus. I want to be bold. I wish I had been faithful and declared who I am and been true to that. But then the next time you find yourself in that situation again with maybe coworkers or strangers or other students at your school, you find yourself shrinking back again because of this fear of man. And this cycle repeats again and again and again. And you feel hopeless. Am I ever really going to change in this way? Maybe you struggle with lust in that way. Whether it's sexual fantasies, um, pornography, uh, maybe engaging in, in sexual acts with somebody who's not your spouse, and you're in this cycle as well. And you feel like, man, I've, I've, I've repented. I've asked for forgiveness, but this thing just keeps happening over and over again. I keep making these mistakes. I keep falling in, and I feel like I feel pretty hopeless. I feel like I don't see the change in my life. Or maybe it's simply with you fill in the blank, love for the world in some way, where you've put Jesus on the back burner, there's other idols in your life, maybe it's work or success or your kids or something else, and you've said, no, Jesus, I'm going to put you first, but you then you put the other thing first. And then you realize and you feel bad about that. You're like, I, I want to change this in my life. This is not right what I'm doing, but you go through it again and again and again. And you constantly put Jesus in the back seat. And you know it, and you feel bad about it, but 
When the moment of decision comes about what you're going to prioritize, what you're going to invest your time or your money, your energy in, you keep choosing the world. And this can lead to a sense of hopelessness. So what do we do? You know that cliche definition of insanity, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again but expecting a different result. It's kind of crazy, right? We feel like that sometimes. What what really is going to break us out of this cycle? What is going to make a difference in our life? Why does this happen? Jesus, I promise, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. I don't know the man. How do we break out of this? Because sometimes we, we, we really mean that, don't we? Jesus, I want to follow you, even if I need to die with you. We mean that in our hearts. But then we find ourselves in the same place as Peter, again and again and again. Let's do things differently in 2022. Let's do things differently this year. How do we change and break out of this cycle? Let's look at verses 36 through 46. I have no control here with my clicker. Okay, verses 36 through 46. Now, keep in mind, this is right after Peter had declared, "Uh, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So this is right after that. It says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, um, uh, he, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Click. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Now, I think this passage is is very, very interesting, and I, I really feel like there's something going on here, a connection between all three of the passages that I read this morning. Look, what's that connection? I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you will deny me three times. And Peter went on to deny him. And Peter said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to deny you no matter what. Trust me. 
And then right after that in this passage, Jesus tells them, he comes and he says to Peter to watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. He comes to them three different times. And each time, they were there sleeping. In fact, in verse 40, he doesn't even just say it to Peter, James, and John, but he specifically singles out Peter. He says, and he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Peter, you will deny me three times. No, I won't, Lord, not me. Peter, could you not pray with me, watch with me for one hour? Three different times Jesus came, and each time the disciples were sleeping. I think that there is a very strong correlation here in that the Bible, God, is trying to tell us something here about um, keeping our commitments to God. You see, what is the problem? We say we want to follow God, we want to be committed, but then we fail and we enter into this cycle. What is the problem? The problem is this. The problem is temptation. That's what the problem is. That from that place where we have this desire, where we declare this commitment to follow Jesus, to actually being faithful in doing that, to getting there, there's something that stands in the way, and that something is called temptation. Temptation, where something comes along and tempts us away and says, don't follow Jesus, don't be faithful to Jesus. Instead, follow yourself, follow your heart, follow your sinful desire, do something else. Temptation comes along and then derails us from our faithfulness, our commitment to God. Temptation is something that is ever-present. Um, the, re the reality is, Jesus said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Jesus is saying, you know, you have a willing heart. You do. You want to be faithful. You want to keep your commitments. I, I can see that about you, but there's a problem. That desire is not enough because your flesh is weak. Because we still have this sinful nature within us. We still battle against the sin that is present within us. We have the Holy Spirit within us, but we still have a sinful nature. And because of that, our flesh is weak. We don't want to obey God. We don't want to walk with Him. Paul described his own heart and what was going on inside this way. He said, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members, meaning in his body, in his flesh, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. What Paul is saying is that, you know, when I want to do good, when I want to do right, when I want to be faithful, there's always something else right there, waging war against that desire to do right. And that's my flesh. That's the sinfulness within my flesh. Whenever I want to do good, evil's right there. And there is a war being waged within me. That's happening. Temptation is there. Temptation to say, nah, not the things of the Spirit, 
but I want the things of the flesh. I want the things of this world. I want to enjoy sin. That is what is happening within us. In that moment when we want to keep our commitment, temptation will come and try to derail it. God said this to to Cain when Cain was considering scheming in his heart to kill his brother Abel. This is how God described sin. He said, sin is crouching at the door. God gives this picture of of like a a robber, (laughs) of some bad person hiding behind the bush of your front door waiting for you to jump out and ambush you when you're not aware of it. That's what sin is like. That's what our sinful nature is like. Crouching there, looking for an opportunity to derail you in your desire to be committed to God. That is what is happening within our hearts. That is the war that is being waged within us. So, what does... What do we do about this? Jesus says we need to watch and pray so that we would not fall into temptation. That's the answer, to watch and to pray. Watch means being watchful, being spiritually alert. Jesus wasn't saying watch out for Roman soldiers. That's not what he was saying. It can seem like that, but that's not because When the Roman soldiers came and Peter took out a sword and he fought and he cut off the high servant's ear and he did all those things, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, put away your sword. Jesus knew that willingly he was going to be arrested. He was going to give himself willingly to be arrested. He knew that he was going to the cross. He wasn't saying, watch out for the Roman soldiers so that when they come, you can spring your booby trap and we can fight and be ready. He wasn't talking about the Roman soldiers. He was saying, watch and pray against temptation. The answer is this, brothers and sisters. How do we overcome the ever-present temptation that is there that seeks to derail our commitment so that we stay in this cycle over and over again of failure and end up in hopelessness? Jesus says the answer is to pray. Now, this is not in the Bible, but... I think that this three, three times you will deny me, three times Peter is there, rather than praying, he's sleeping, and then three times Peter does deny Jesus. I can't help but feel like there's something here where if Peter had not slept, but instead he had prayed, he had prayed. He had been watching and praying against temptation. If he had been there praying, going, the moment is going to come, they're going to come arrest my Lord, and he said that I'm going to deny him. Man, i got to pray that my heart would be strengthened, that I really would not be afraid, that I really would not be afraid of identifying with Jesus, and that I would go with him to the cross to the very end, no matter what happens. If Peter had been praying that way, and each time Jesus came and found him, and he found Peter praying, praying his heart out. I can't help but feel like things would have been different for Peter. But every time Jesus came, Peter was sleeping instead of praying. I would put it this way, brothers and sisters, 
This passage, this teaching this morning, if I were to make it into a formula, I would say this. Willingness, our spirit is willing. You may be willing to follow God. You want to follow God. Your spirit is willing. You want to be faithful. But willingness without prayer that doesn't have prayerfulness as a part of it equals wishful thinking. Willingness without prayer equals wishful thinking. That's how I would summarize this passage. Brothers and sisters, giving you the benefit of doubt, giving myself the benefit of doubt, I think that all of us, we want to follow God, don't we? You want to love God. You want to be a faithful Christian. You want to put God first in your life. You want to overcome the sin. You want to continue to grow and change and be matured and be more loving and, 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 and love your children, raise them up in the Lord to treat your finances, all that you own as, as belonging to the Lord. You want to love others, even your enemies. You want to overcome sin and lust and all of these things. You want to do that. That's the desire of your heart. You're willing to do that. But because we don't pray, that willingness is just wishful thinking. Peter was willing, brothers and sisters. He wanted it. I believe he meant it. But he thought, ah, I can do it. I don't need to pray. And he called down curses upon himself. I don't know that man. Brothers and sisters, willingness without prayer is wishful thinking. Willingness without prayer leads us inevitably into temptation that we give into and that we surrendered to. Jesus says we need to be watchful and we need to be praying so that we can overcome temptation. Brothers and sisters, that's the key that's the difference, to be people of prayer. You know, what's really crazy is that if we look at Jesus, there's such a, a parallel and a contrast here in the garden between the disciples and Jesus. Because Jesus himself goes off these three times in praise, and he prays intensely. In fact, in Luke's account of what happens here, it says that Jesus, he was praying so intensely. He was praying so hard that he was sweating, sweating so profusely because of how hard he was praying that his sweat was dripping down his face as, as if it was like blood coming down. That's how hard he was praying. And now, now if you think about this for a second, Jesus was there, he was praying, he was praying intensely, asking God the Father, saying, Father, if there's any other way, could there be some other way so that I don't have to drink this cup, the cup of your judgment, so that I don't have to take the sin of all those, these people onto myself, so that I don't have to experience that brokenness and fellowship with you because of the sin that I'm bearing. If there's any other way, can we do it? He was praying, Father, help me 
to submit my will, though, to your will. Not my will, but your will be done. That the idea of that, of the cross, not just the physical suffering, but the sin that would come upon me, who I'm completely sinless. He's been God for all eternity. Sin coming upon me. The idea of that is so horrendous. Father, I don't know, that's so hard, but I'm praying, not my will, but your will be done. Brothers and sisters, if, if Jesus, who was, he had two things going for him that we don't have. He's, he's God. We're not God. And he's fully man also, but he was sinless. We're fully human, but we're not sinless. We have sin. Jesus had two things going for him. He was fully God and fully man who had never sinned. Yet Jesus had to pray this hard in the face of temptation. He had to pray that hard to say, not my will, not the will of my human nature, but your will, Father, be done. Jesus had to pray like that in the face of temptation. God and sinless man in one prayed till sweat dropped down his face like blood. And we think that we could be like Peter. I won't deny you, Jesus. And by the way, I don't really need to pray that hard about it. Brothers and sisters, that's wishful thinking. That's insanity. That's insanity. If you find yourself in this cycle of commitment, of willingness, only to end up in denial and failure over and over again, I just want to ask you, is prayer, is watchfulness in prayer against temptation something that is meaningfully in your life. Because if Jesus needed to pray like that, man, how much more do we? The awesome thing is, the author of Hebrews says, because Jesus, he went through this, because he was tempted in every way that we are, yet he didn't give in to sin, Because he was tempted, he can sympathize with our weaknesses. He understands what it's like to face temptation. So that when we come to him in prayer, he can answer our prayer and give us the strength that we need to overcome our weaknesses. He takes us out of this cycle of commitment, failure, hopelessness. The way to break this cycle is by praying, to to, to have faithfulness instead, where we are committed and then we're faithful and then we grow stronger in our commitment to God and stronger in our faithfulness in this virtuous cycle. It is through prayer, through a lifestyle of prayer before God. And God says he understands our weaknesses and can sympathize with us. You know, The Bible doesn't say you need to pray for an hour a day, Monday through Friday, like we're doing in our morning prayer. The Bible doesn't say that. 
The Bible doesn't say you got to pray two hours. The Bible doesn't say you got to pray 15 minutes. It doesn't say you have to pray an hour. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. It certainly does say that we should have a lifestyle of prayer, that we should be never ceasing in prayer, right? That doesn't mean 24-7. You got to sleep, right? You got to eat. But, but prayer definitely needs to be in our lifestyle. It doesn't say you need to pray an hour a day. It doesn't do that. But I will say one thing. When Jesus comes to Peter, he says to them, could you not keep watch with me for one hour? Couldn't you pray, couldn't you pray with me for even one hour? Now, <clears throat> again, the Bible doesn't say you need to pray an hour every day or you're not spiritual. It doesn't say that. But I think that we need, there are times in our lives where we do need to pray, to be able to pray for an hour. When we're facing real temptation and we're deciding between following God or following our flesh and there's something, great temptation in front of us to be able to know how to get on our knees and pray for an hour and to battle in the spirit to be able to overcome, we do need to be able to do that. When there's somebody in your life who really needs the grace of God to touch his or her heart, we do need to know how to be able to get on our knees and pray for an hour for this person, for this person's soul, for, for God to liberate or free that person. We do need to know how to be able to do that at times. If, if we are never able, if we sit down and say, man, praying an hour, I could never do that. That's so hard. That's impossible. I could barely pray 10 minutes. I do think that there are some prayer muscles there that we need to exercise. Jesus does say, couldn't in this moment of need, in this important time, when a lot is on the line, you couldn't, can't, you couldn't pray with me for one hour? My hope and prayer is that at least at those times, that we would be such people of prayer that we would be able to do that. We would know how to, how to, how to buckle down and how to pray and cry out to God for an hour or two hours, pleading with the Lord for His will to be done in my life, in your life, in the life of somebody else, in our city, in our community, for God to do something. This is why we're starting off our year with three weeks of morning prayer for an hour each morning. We're trying to jumpstart this in our lives. And I'm inviting you to be a part of this with us over the next three weeks. Maybe praying an hour is really difficult for you. Maybe right now you're thinking, oh, I can't do that. Let's do it together. And I'll be honest, hey, I'll be real with you. We're not even praying an hour. We're starting off with two songs of worship, 10 minutes. We're going to read the Bible together, do our, our own quiet time for like 15 minutes, share about that for like five minutes. We're going to close in a song of worship. So the prayer leader is going to be leading us through maybe like 25 minutes of prayer. And they're going to lead you what we're going to pray for. It's not even an hour. But we want to spend an hour in God's presence. We want to pray and we want to train ourselves to know how to do this, how to come before God and to pray so that we would overcome temptation. And how do you want 2022 to be, brothers and sisters? If you want it to be different, 
if you don't want to see yourself going through the same cycles again and again, but you want to break it, you want to change it, and you want to grow, and you really want to get closer to God, it's through prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest things that you can do. Without it, all the desire in the world is wishful thinking. To conclude, then, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What the author of Hebrews is saying is Jesus was tempted in every way. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He understands the temptation we feel. So let's go to him. Let's approach the throne of grace in our time of need in prayer so that we can experience his grace in our lives. Amen.